This is a very serious podcast. Welcome to our next episode. Now I'm, now I'm, now I'm going. Oh, yeah. Okay, I can start now. Uh Very good. Hey, (laughs) everybody. Welcome to the next episode of Splanknicks. I'm your host, uh, Claire T. Walker. I'm an independent author. And uh, this is my co-host, my daughter, Hannah, a theater professional, also an independent author. We are continuing our conversation about Star Wars. We're going to get into uh, mythic structure, story archetypes, different elements. Mm-hmm. Talk about the music, hopefully, if we get to that. Yep. So um, if you enjoy Star Wars, I think you'll very... Star Wars. <laughs> you enjoy, enjoy Star Wars, Star Wars. Wars. <laughs> you enjoy for this episode. Stay tuned. All right, that was perfect. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Splanknicks, the Society for the Preservation of Literature, the Arts, Numinosity, Culture, Humor, <laughs> Nerdiness, Inspiration, Creativity, and Storytelling. And we're back. And we're back. We're back to uh, talk about Star Wars. I'm um, sure you don't mean Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> Talking about Star Wars. Absolutely. One of the things yeah. Star Wars is really, really known for is the way it taps in perfectly to mythic story structure and story archetypes. Yep. Now, what is an archetype? An archetype is is a foundational concept mm-hmm. that is considered to be a, a a classic example of something, mm-hmm. and it's upon it's the, it's the thing upon which lots of other versions of that same thing are based. For example, mm-hmm. the the uh, we're familiar with um, the femme fatale. Yep. Okay. Now, Circe would be the archetype of the femme fatale. Right. Yeah. Okay. On her island. Um, Is that the lady with the pigs in o- the Odyssey? Yeah, I think she turns them into pigs, or she turns. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. The femme fatale who, you know, yep. yeah, man goes in there and it's, uh, it's going to be big trouble. Yep. Um, so that's, so that's an archetype. Mm-hmm. Um, other archetypes are, um, which they have definitely have in Star Wars in a big way is the mentor. Okay. Yep. The mentor. Obi-Wan Kenobi is a, is a, is an example of a mentor. Yeah. In a new um, hope. Yeah. In a new hope. And actually, yeah, he remains a mentor. Yeah. Uh, through much of the movies. Okay. So, so that's what an archetype is. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a foundational element to a story um mm-hmm. i think that also um something like well something like a, like a serpent is considered sort of an archetypal element and it often is uh hmm, yeah. is a symbol of evil for example um yeah. so so we're going to talk about that um star wars is uh, has lots of archetypes in it mm-hmm. and lots of uh mythic structure a lot of these things are based on um a book by joseph campbell called the hero with a thousand faces yep joseph campbell was a um mm-hmm. I guess a mythologist um, studied these things, mm-hmm. and, and that was his book. And um, lots of people who um, are involved in Hollywood movie making and writing books have tapped into um, what Joseph Campbell was saying and adapted it for storytellers specifically. Mm. Uh, the book that I'm holding here in my hand is called The Writer's Journey Mythic Structure for Writers by an author named Christopher Vogler. And this is a but all the rage. Um, you know, Hollywood screenwriters and directors and mm-hmm. novelists use this book to um, to help them guide their stories. And in this book, he talks specifically about lots of great movies right. that contain these archetypes and and mythic structural elements. And Star Wars is among them. Oh, okay. okay. So, so the first thing that we get in in a in a in a mythic 
story mm-hmm. that is going to make use of these archetypes is something called the ordinary world. Mm-hmm. The story begins, there's a little bit of a setup where mm-hmm. we see the hero living his or her life in his or her ordinary world. Mm-hmm. And in Star Wars, that is um, Luke Skywalker's life as a farm boy on Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Where we hear him whining about how well, I wanted to go to Tashi Station to get pickup and power converters. Imagine a life where power converters are exciting. Yes. <laughs> so boring. He's a moisture farmer on a desert planet. You know, mm-hmm. and his uncle says you can waste time with your friends later. So, um so there's the there's the the Luke in his ordinary world. Yep. He's a farmer. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a classic, just a line in there where, where Luke and his family are, are, are eating. Mm-hmm. And they talk about how, you know, Luke wanted to, he, want, he wants to transmit his academy or his application to the academy this year. Mm-hmm. And his uncle says, no, because I need you to stay here and, and work the farm, mm-hmm. you know. And eventually, Luke doesn't even stay to finish the meal. Mm-hmm. He, just, he just gets up and leaves. Like, it and like I'm aunt, going nowhere. Yeah, his aunt says, where are you going? And Luke says, looks like I'm going nowhere. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That is, that's the, the hero in his ordinary world. Mm-hmm. Um, in uh, The Force Awakens, we see Rey in the same exact situation. Mm-hmm. Desert planet, mm-hmm. a person in, you talk about a dead-end job. Yeah. There's this moment mm-hmm. in that early opening sequence mm-hmm. of The Force Awakens mm-hmm. where this is after Ray has returned to the, the junk dealer mm-hmm. with her junk and we see her doing what is demanded of her is to clean up this junk and get it ready for sale apparently or reuse and we catch a glimpse. Do, do you remember this moment in the movie? Ray's sitting there polishing some object and she looks up and she sees this old crone this little old woman also oh. polishing some Ugh. piece of junk. And you see, in that moment, you know that Ray sees, wow, but <laughs> that is my future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. She, it is very much, the ordinary world is very much a place where the hero is stuck. Yeah. Okay. What happens next in the mythic structure is the call to adventure. Mm. That's literally step number two in, yep. in, uh, in the hero's journey. The call to adventure in episode four, uh, A New Hope, yeah. is a whole bunch of stuff has happened and Obi-Wan Kenobi says, you must come with me to Alderaan mm-hmm. if you want to become a Jedi like your father. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. And what is Luke's response to that? He says he can't. Why? Why does he say he can't? <clears throat> oh, I forget. Um, I've got responsibilities. I've got yeah. so much to do here. Right, yeah. I, it's not like I like the Empire. I hate it, but I've got too much work to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's <laughs> uncle talking. That is part three, the refusal of the call. Mm-hmm. You know, the hero, even though he feels stuck, he yeah. wants to get out, wants more than anything to leave this planet. When the opportunity is first presented to him, he he balks. Mm-hmm. He backs away, and mm-hmm. he won't go. Yeah. Okay. And that brings us to the other mythic element that's uh, heavily in Star Wars is the mentor, which we mentioned briefly. Obi-Wan Kenobi is a mentor. Mm, yep. Older, wiser, you know, an old wizard. Yep. Um, I guess, yeah, Gandalf might be, is, is the mentor in, um, yeah. in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So, um, there, 
there's a moment there's let's also break into talking about just story structure in general even if it's right. not mythic yeah this still works in any kind of story that you're that you're watching or, or constructing if you're a, a storyteller mm -hmm. there's is what we call the 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 act the act breakdown stories take place in three acts a beginning a middle and an end some people take that middle which is always the biggest chunk of a movie and they break that in half and there's usually some sort of pivotal moment right at the halfway point of a story okay typically in a movie movies about what 100 minutes to 120 minutes long sometimes 90 minutes sometimes a little a little more there'll be a moment you try that try this when you're watching any kind of movie look at the clock and see from the start of the movie till some sort of pivotal moment occurs where we're very clearly moving out of the ordinary world into a different world a world of adventure or we're embarking on the adventure something's really happened sometimes the hero is is sort of thrown into it sort of against his will but just he, he's in it there you go hmm. sometimes well i mean like the um that moment in uh, die hard i believe would be when uh john is john mcclain is in the bathroom and he hears gunfires going off right right all of a sudden he's in it he's not just there having mm -hmm. a, a marital spat with his wife anymore over Christmas and sort of angsting about his lame marriage. He is now in a, a hostage situation. Okay, mm. boom, we're in Act Two. Right. In Star Wars, or, or in a in a typical movie, that moment will occur approximately thirty minutes in, because maybe this is some sort of psychological thing. But I guess movie viewers um, will maybe can tolerate being or that's like the perfect amount of time to be in the middle in the beginning of a story as it develops the setup phase of a story about 30 minutes and about 30 minutes this thing will happen mm. but in star wars it's it's notable it has a very very strong three-act structure mm -hmm. but that moment that act one act two transition occurs 45 minutes into the movie right do you know what that moment is hannah I think it's probably when he finds his aunt and uncle's farm burned down, right? Yes. And their charred corpses yep. lying. And then what is the moment that occurs right after that? He says, there's nothing for me here. Yeah. There's nothing I'm, here for me now. I yeah. want to come with you to Alderaan and become a Jedi like my father. Mm -hmm. There we go. He's in. He's in <clears> it <throat> now. The ordinary world, he's leaving it behind, and he goes yep. with Obi-Wan Kenobi on the adventure. If you read um, Christopher Vogler's book, The Writer's Journey... Um, I think it might also be called, this might be Joseph Campbell's book. He might have written something called The Hero's Journey, I think. Yeah, so, okay. I think so. Yeah, Possibly. And, he goes, and he goes into this. So so you, those mythic archetypal elements are there mm -hmm. in force in Star Wars, and they yeah. are so inescapable. They, they tried to tell a different story, I think, perhaps mm -hmm. with The Force Awakens, but they just couldn't help it. Yeah. Um, what... Uh, some of the other aspects, let's just go ahead quickly into finish up the three-act structure. The act two is the, the, the large middle of a story. That's where yep. most of the things happen. And then at some point, usually between 10 and 30 minutes before the end of a movie, you yeah. make a transition into act three, which is yeah. the end. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, in um, the, at the, the end of a movie, when we're launching into act three, we basically know everything we need to know. Mm -hmm. And we're heading into the final confrontation, yeah. the final battle, the final test. Mm -hmm. um, for example, in the movie Gladiator, yeah. 
that act two, act three transition occurs, mm -hmm. and it happens with great fanfare. Yeah. There's this elevator. That yeah, it's when they rise Maximus up. up in Maximus and the Emperor up into the arena. Then mm -hmm. this is it. Yeah. There are the masks are off. We yeah. know. Mm -hmm. The Emperor knows. This is it. We are gonna do this. We're gonna do this thing. We're gonna have this this fight, and this is gonna determine the fate of Rome, basically. Yep. Um, so that is a great moment. Mm -hmm. In um, throwback to Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. Then in Star Wars, that that moment, that moment between Act Two and Act Three, takes place mm -hmm. when um, they basically, I think they they arrive at the uh, Rebel base with the plans, mm -hmm. and they there's a brief sort of transition period where they have a sort of a big confab and they show mm -hmm. the plans. Mm -hmm. and they say, "Here's what we got to do. This is our plan. We got to fly into this trench, and you got to put this this uh, photon torpedo. No, not not photon torpedo." That's from Star Trek. What is the thing that's going to go into the into the? I don't remember. Down into the reactor. Whatever. The special weapon. You have to blast this reactor. I think you just our... have to blast the reactor. I don't think it's. And a this special is our weapon. plan to get these um these things into the into the reactor. It's going to blow it up. And then they then they go. That's it. Yep. They're um at the end of Act Three when we've reached our conclusion and we know mm -hmm. if the bad guys won or not or yep. the good guys won. Whatever. Mm -hmm. We know the end of the story. Yep. And there's something called the denouement, mm -hmm. which is just finishing up quickly. Tying up any loose ends. Star Wars Episode Four has one of the quickest denouements ever. They come back in, they're cheering, yay, blasting everything. You know, R two D two is going to go off and be repaired. The next thing they know, they cut to that award ceremony. It's a minute or two of fanfare and people getting medals, and then they walk out triumphant. End credits. Yep. Nice. It's cl it's classic again, not to be improved upon. I mean, just yeah. <laughs> you know, it's one of the greatest um, oh, uh, mythic stories on, on film. Yep. Ever. Oh man. Um, so that's mythic structure. Yeah. It, it just works. Yeah. That's that's one of the reasons these archetypes are so enduring is because mm -hmm. they work on human beings at a, at a deep, deep psychological and spiritual level. Yeah. They resonate, as as the word says. Mm -hmm. you know, we we respond strongly to those archetypes being yeah. um, being portrayed. Mm -hmm. We've talked about this a couple times before, but the music of Star Wars mm -hmm. supports that mythic energy of of the of the story so well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. I I was just recently I was working on a writing project and I wanted to listen to some music and I often will do this. Mm -hmm. I love the I love the music of Star Wars and I'll just go on and I'll find some. Uh, some video on the internet that is just playing this music from the soundtrack. And I came across this video of, it was filmed in 2017 in the Netherlands. I believe it was filmed in, in the Netherlands. It was uh, featured the Netherlands Philharmonic Orchestra mm -hmm. doing a whole concert, two hours of music from Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And not only that, they did music that is known to have inspired John Williams as he composed the soundtrack music for Star Wars. So, uh, things like um, Gustav Holst's The Planets, mm. uh, The Ride of Spring by Igor Stravinsky. Mm -hmm. um, another piece that I can't remember the name of now. Um, 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 I'll think of it. We'll put it in Flight the of the Valkyries? Well, yes. And then Wagner, um, Flight of the Valkyries, was another uh, piece that was... Uh, I didn't know that actually until I saw this video that that mm -hmm. actually inspired Williams 
uh, composition. And so this orchestra, this Netherlands Philharmonic Orchestra, is performing all of these awesome pieces. Pieces from Star Wars, uh, Wagner, Flight of the Valkyries, uh, bits and pieces from uh, the planets and from the Rite of Spring. And they, <laughs> they have characters from Star Wars come out. <laughs> yeah. And they have... I only saw Darth Vader. I only saw the conductor come out as Darth Vader. Yeah. Did they have others? They did. They oh, had, like um, who? Well, there was a, a... They were playing one of the um, pieces from... Uh, I don't remember which piece it was, but doors opened and actors came down in costume, like Stormtroopers, another Ooh. Darth Vader, someone dressed as Rey, mm-hmm. people dressed as, um, you know... Uh, Imperial officers and uh, maybe the droids. I don't know. Mm-hmm. C-3PO, perhaps. Um, cool. It was so good. <laughs> and I, um, I I, so enjoyed these pieces. I love, love some of those anthems. Mm-hmm. Like um, Ray's theme mm-hmm. is one of my favorite pieces of music just yeah. anyway. Yeah. Know, um, from The Force Awakens especially. Um, Leia's theme. Mm-hmm. Aww. And um, and you were pointing out to me the the beautiful uh, flute yeah. solo that yeah that, there was a flute solo for Leia mm, yeah. yeah it's so nice <laughs> and we talk about things talk about talk about reaching for the heart mm-hmm. that is so much what music does yeah it you know it, it's not words or anything and it and it reaches for the heart the way these archetypes reach for mm-hmm. the heart and they and they when you have combined those things like great mythic mm-hmm. storytelling elements and story archetypes into a visually expansive and just tremendous presentation. Yeah. And and then you have this amazing music behind it. Mm-hmm. it that that is why these these movies have endured so much and why, you know, 43 years ago they made this first movie and they're still making movies. They're right, still yeah. writing books. They are still making TV shows mm-hmm. featuring these characters from this rich setting. Yeah. Because we've been responding to mm-hmm. it this whole time. Yeah. Um, other, I would say other universes that have that effect. What do you think? Oh, man. Like, like the sort of big sort of playground of stories that, that they that they can draw from. Oh, goodness. Oh, man. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, yeah, the definitely. Earth. Big, um, big places they want to, they want to explore. Um, <clears throat> let me see. I, this might be kind of a weird example, but I felt that way about Supernatural after a while, where you kind of forgot that it was a show. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Tell on. I don't, well, yeah, no, it's about, like, it's about these, these monster hunters. Yeah. And there's various different ways that they, that they kill these monsters, and then there's different, different plots where there's demons and angels waging war over the earth and all this stuff. Yeah. There um, is this creature called um called a a, a jinn. It, it touches you and it sort of puts you into this sleep, this sleep, and you get to dream about a better world, basically. Um, and while you're dreaming and you're sort of um, harmless and unarmed, the yeah. jinn will will uh, drink your drink your blood. Wow. It has to be fresh, so they, that's how they keep you alive. Is they just sort of hang you up like a slab of meat from these from these hooks, and they've got like uh, they they're like just drawing the blood into these bags, and then they 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 drink it. But there's this 
there's this uh, episode early on where one of the one of the brothers, the older brother, um, their life just sucks. Their mom died when they were really really little because basically she was she was murdered by a demon, mm-hmm. and then their dad went on got onto this basically quest to kill this demon, and so they've been hunting monsters ever since yeah. from their childhood. Mm-hmm. So this and this guy, I think he's like. I think he's maybe like 28 at this point. Um, and he get he's hunting a djinn and it touches him and it puts him into this this uh, coma. And he basically wakes up and he's in a world where his mom never died. And he just mm. has a normal life. He works at a machine shop like his dad did and... Um, and he That's, gets to yeah, and he gets to spend the day with his mom, and he gets to mow the lawn for his mom, and like she cooks, she cooks a meal, and his brother is engaged to his girlfriend who got killed early on and stuff. But then he realizes that it's all an illusion, and that he's actually being sucked dry by this thing. And it's sort of like a, sort of like a, I'd rather have what's real than whatever this is. Yeah. It's sort of like, a, I was I was really happy, but it wasn't real. Yeah. I don't know if there's any archetypes in that, but for some reason, that's the one that came to mind when you... Well, that's a powerful uh, <laughs> thing. It, do you remember... We're, we're supposed to be talking about Star Wars here. Yeah. But I just, as you were saying that, I, remi- I was reminded of something. Do you remember that Star Trek episode? Yeah. Where Spock got sprayed with those spores? Oh, right, and he was all happy. Yeah. yeah. Just Aww. makes you all happy and everything. And the last line of that of that show is so sad it says it's it's oh um, yeah it's the first time in my life i was happy yeah and you yeah and then that's and then end credit it's like spark is so yeah oh that's it yeah first time in my life i was happy yeah something else about that episode basically in this alternate timeline he learned that all the people that they had saved when they were hunting monsters had actually died and it's sort of like a i could be happy but then all of these people that we saved would be dead. Yeah, it's a, the hero archetype, the savior archetype, mm-hmm. sort of. You yeah. say, well, I sacrifice myself over and over and over again, just trying to be, trying to be a hero. Mm-hmm. But you <clears throat> yourself can't be happy. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> it does. I mean, that's that's an element. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's powerful. Or you have to you have to give up stuff. Yeah, yeah. You have to give Absolutely. up being happy. You have to live in a world where your mom is dead because if she doesn't die, you never become the hero you're supposed to be. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, yeah. Think about um, Frodo mm-hmm. in at the end of Lord of the Rings. You yeah. Know? We we set out to save the Shire and we saved it. And the Shire has been saved, but not for me. Mm-hmm. He realizes that he's been too damaged by mm-hmm. his heroic quest to continue yeah. to live in this world. Yeah, the people who save mm. the world don't get to don't get to enjoy it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I haven't read this book recently yeah. enough to know if that's actually one of the mythic mm-hmm. archetypes, but that's certainly a powerful element in many of these of these stories. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I want to talk about uh, the music a little bit more. I love orchestral music. I love watching it performed. Mm. I think part of the reason that I have an appreciation for it is because I, I played the violin when I was a youngster. Mm-hmm. In fourth grade, picked up the violin and played it all through through high school, through 12th grade. I was never a solo quality violinist. 
I was a perfectly competent, mostly adequate ensemble violin player. I was usually in the second violin section. When I did finally make it into the first violin section, I was in the last chair. <laughs> but it was fine. I was I was perfectly happy to be there. And and we, through grade school, junior high, and high school, we, as a group, a lot of these same kids that I grew up with, were making music together for these years. And I really, really appreciate what goes into an orchestral ensemble performing beautiful music. can't remember if this was junior high or high school, but we were performing in a... Uh, a competition. We have played this thing a million times, right? We've done it and we've done it and we've done it. And we're playing. The, the conductor is conducting. The cellos came in in this one section, mm -hmm. a full measure early. Ah. We were nervous, yeah. right? The cellos came in a full measure early. Mm -hmm. And the violins, this was an orchestra. We didn't have a full band at this point. This was right. like a chamber orchestra. <laughs> the violins, the violas, the violin basses mm -hmm. um, just went to where they were supposed to be. With the cellos? With the cellos. Oh. Everyone jumped ahead one measure when mm -hmm. the cellos came in early. Wow. The only reason I know this happened mm -hmm. is because the conductor told us afterwards. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was so seamless. Mm -hmm. Nobody, the only people who knew mm -hmm. that the cellos had come in a measure early were the cellos yeah. and the conductor. Wow. Everybody else just went, oh. Yeah. Where I... And started mm. to play where they were because we knew this piece so well. Mm -hmm. We had melded it together as yeah. this thing. And she told us that. And, she, and that the conductor took pains to say, this is the value mm -hmm. of the extensive practice that we have put in. And we got a very high placement. Nice. And that was just such a beautiful <laughs> moment. Yeah. You know, I just love that. Um, that doesn't have anything to do with Star Wars. I don't know if it's mythic, mm -hmm. but it was certainly epic. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think we uh, we did it. I don't know. That was a fairly rambling. Yeah, but that's okay. I that's think fine. this is the nature of conversations. I, I hope that you have enjoyed this uh, this conversation. You uh, you people who've been listening, mm -hmm. um, yeah. we really appreciate you being here, and we um, have been delighted to talk about uh, Star Wars for the past two weeks. Yeah, um, we are going to sign out now, and um, and we will hopefully see you at the next episode. Thanks, everybody. Bye bye. Bye.